Game Off Podcast, episode 17. I am one of two hosts, Andy. I am number two, Brent Arcadia. Today we're going to be talking about uh, BlizzCon and all of the <laughs> exciting news that came out of that. We're going to be talking about our two showcase games this week, Indivisible, and the one I did that has a name that's Blasphemous. Bl- that's Bl- the oh, one. Okay. <laughs> and well, I wasn't sure if you needed help there or not. It, it took me a second, uh, and we're also going to have our fireside chat. But let's let's start off with all the news coming out of BlizzCon this weekend. What a weekend it was! There's a surprising amount of news out of BlizzCon this weekend, especially coming off the heels of Diablo Immortal Year, which was mm. 2018. We had what one, two, three, four, four game announcements or X pack announcements. Yeah. So, so most people. This most people are pretty hyped about Blizzard right now. They have no problems with Blizzard whatsoever. Blizzard can do no wrong in any of their eyes, and you you try and tell us otherwise, Andy. <laughs> well, all right. You know what? I'll start off with the good. That Diablo Four trailer <laughs> was pretty rad. Yeah, Lilith, dude. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited that they're bringing Lilith rather than just bringing back Satan again. <laughs> Is it like, Satan Fourth Incarnate? I get it. It's his game. It's named after him. But let's. Yeah, really excited to see Lilith as a main antagonist. She looked super cool. Everything looked appropriately dark, which I know was a big complaint people had about D3, that it was you know bright and you could see scenery and details of things. And I know that that's something that people don't like in games, so yeah, you got well, that back. I'm a bit triggered as soon as you said that. Because... <laughs> Games like Gears, Gears of War always got shit for being like gritty, and then when they made it colorful, everyone's like, "Finally, this is what we wanted." D three had like the darkest story in the entire franchise, but there was like the brightness shader was up to a hundred, and everyone was like, "Mother, this isn't the Diablo I know. Why isn't? Why aren't the sides of the screens bleeding all the time? I hate it." Well, what you're realizing there is that no one knows the story of Diablo. No one's read it or paid attention to it at all. <laughs> You didn't read the novelization? No, I didn't read the novelization. I didn't watch any of the animatics that I'm sure were out there at some point or another. (laughs) People, all people know is that in Diablo 1, you were in a spooky dark town with that butcher guy and and, uh, stay a while and listen, man. And the kid with the peg leg. (laughs) Everyone everyone remembers Deckard Cain. Everyone remembers Wirt with his peg leg. Diablo 2 (laughs) also had places you could go to like Egypt and the Bayou and hell and a fourth place. And then Diablo <laughs> three had a bunch of like brightly colored areas and that, that just didn't fly. It doesn't fit with yeah, the, like, the excitement. So glad we're going back to that spooky dark area that, that I associate <laughs> with, with this game, man, the, the desert and the, like the heaven area. I don't even know what they call it in the franchise, but those were two of like the best areas in Diablo three. Oh yeah, and the heaven area wasn't necessarily the brightest one either. Like it was, it was a nice mix. Like well, it had like the corrupted parts of it. What was nice about the desert and the heaven area is that you've got really distinct, visible architecture that's not covered in decay and rot. <laughs> yeah, like that, brightness turned down to five. Yeah, that that's what made it interesting. Even when you're going into dungeons in those areas, it was still you could clearly tell the area that you're in rather than it looking just kind of like 
weird blackness and then the area you were standing in ambient light. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have plenty of gripes with Diablo 3, but it was definitely not the, like the design of the game. So do you think that uh, they're going to continue with the great model they set up with Diablo 3 of a ton of post-launch content and tweaks and really just supporting the game long-term with only one actual add-on that you paid for? <laughs> well... See, I don't know what to believe anymore because this kind of segues into Overwatch 2, which sounds just like a paid add-on for Overwatch 1. So, like, do, do is that what I want from Diablo? Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I paid for the, uh, the Necromancer DLC. Like, that oh, yeah. was worthy DLC. You get a whole new character, a whole new way to experience the game. Granted, it wasn't, like, more content, but uh, I mean... Do you really need more shoehorn content in? Like they they were adding content in different ways via patches that well, wasn't they necessarily. Had, they had added like all the Nephilim rifts that they that all that stuff yeah, that they right. added was a huge amount of post game content. The what do we call it? the Kanai cube of of basically like mimicking and copying effects on weapons and items was an amazing yeah. addition. Like I, the first time I saw that and played that game, I thought every RPG needs this for post-game content. This is incredible. Yeah. This is such a good idea. Yeah, it's, it's a very cool way to create content without being like, oh, we just discovered this new island and we're all going to go there and it has a very unique biome and you're going to suffer through another story. Like I didn't need an act five to this game. So I, I thought the way they handled Diablo 3 was very cool and the, the add-ons for further monetization were completely optional because there's after they removed the, the real money auction house, there was no real <laughs> ways for them to like make money off of the game. So they basically took five years and were just like, we're going to, we're going to work on goodwill and boy, do they know how to piss on goodwill fast. But so, so yeah, how quickly do you think they're going to exhaust all that goodwill with, various micro and macro and normal size transactions in Diablo four. I cannot imagine they're going to waste any time. <laughs> I mean, the Activision model right now is to just wait two months. And as soon as all of the people that they don't actually think they're going to grab money out of their pockets from have stopped playing the game, they're, they're going to introduce something like they did with, the last two or three modern warfares and it's going to hyper monetize the game. And I, that's, that's my main concern is they, they have, they have this model now and they're not afraid to just jam it into every one of their games. Well, and it, it's a nice thing because it means that all of the uh, reviews that show up on open critic and Metacritic mention nothing about monetization. Yeah, exactly. Cause nobody goes back and re reviews games no. aside for like one or two exceptions. So I'm I'm very hopeful and cynical at the same time for Diablo 4. Uh, you mentioned Overwatch 2, which is a whole different set of emotions. Overwatch 2 is, and I'm not afraid to say this, a game that doesn't need to exist at all. What they're adding is stuff that they said that they were just going to keep adding to the base game. It's not a whole new game. It's not a whole new experience or set of characters. It's Overwatch plus more, which is historically does justify a sequel, but this it's 
they're not they're not just like cutting the cord on Overwatch either. They're going to support and release content for both games. So here's my thought on it. And I've heard a couple of people indicating kind of down this line as well. But follow me here for a second. So mm-hmm. you've got new characters that are going to be allowed on both games, one and two. You're going to have new yeah. maps, one and two. And your mm-hmm. cosmetics that you purchased in one are going to transfer over to two. Sure. So they don't have to worry about splitting, quote unquote, the community. Everyone's going to keep playing. Mm. Yeah, but which is a good thing. Activision right now has a game out that you may have heard of called Destiny 2. Mm. And Destiny 2, I've heard, is not doing very well. <laughs> well, they're not even publishing it anymore either, keep in mind. So do they have any um, persistent pro- you know, progress shooters out there now? Do they have any you long-term? Because my thought is... This is this is what they're, they're looking at Overwatch and saying, this is a brand that we can basically turn into Destiny. Oh. So we're going to add a ton of progress shooter PvE content, and mm. we're not going to create a hard break so that everyone can, keep, can play around these new characters and see how much fun they are in Overwatch 2, and then just kind of, oh, okay, I'm just going to make the jump over so I can play the PvE stuff. But yeah. then build up this community of people who are playing PvE and, and spending a shit ton of money because the one thing they're not making money on is loot drops and, and loot. They're not making money. All, all they're making money off is skins. Yeah. So if they can turn this, turn it into any kind of progression based game where there's anything that you can open that's actually assisting you in being better at the game, even if it's just buying keys to open more chests or whatever it is. Now they've got their real cash cow. And Overwatch has, has fulfilled yeah. its destiny of just being a way to print <laughs> money for people who like PvP or PvE. That that's my thought. It, that that's I mean that's an interesting thought. So we didn't cover too much of what's going to be new in that. But before I like forget your point, there they are adding new sort of character progression mechanics, like leveling up your heroes so that you can get ability points for those heroes, which if anyone's played any Ubisoft game gives you fucking five opportunities to monetize mm-hmm. in just that one sentence. So yeah, this, the cynical thought is there it is, is that fun or beneficial to the average player or is that just, just business talk that also gives depth to the game quote unquote. And, but in reality is just, Hey, we can sell XP boosters and you know, points and all this shit i mean i but no if it were another company other than activision there could be some leeway there but i feel like this is a hundred percent just we need a way for overwatch to constantly ask you for money yeah because if you don't care about skins then you don't care then you're never going to pay any more money to overwatch yeah, if this was like a double A studio doing this, you could you would see like, oh wow, they just really want to add more like personalization to the game. But it, it doesn't necessarily feel like that. And we don't really know what this next generation of Blizzard games is it's going to be now that they're part of Activision. Because really, like, if you think about it, like WoW Classic and 
like to a much lesser extent, Overwatch were sort of the only things that happened during this era. And Overwatch was pretty much already released before they joined in with Activision. So you could literally point at WoW Classic and be like, that's an obvious cash grab, you fucking animals. Like, who are you even trying to fool? And that's really the one thing that's come out of this era. Otherwise, it's just been content, content, X-Packs, stuff like that. So yeah, we, we, we're we going to find out very soon what this the effects of the Activision merger are. I think it's just going to be um, pushing but, those, those micropayments as much as possible. I know that that's a, a huge part of... I'm, I'm you know, sure. They reported that as a huge part of their own revenue stream, so... I can't imagine that they're going to look at something yeah. like Overwatch, which is a hugely profitable brand, and say, "Yeah, we don't need to do anything with this." Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they've they've made services out of all of Blizzard's major properties, and the games that they were having trouble making proper services out of, like Heroes of the Storm and StarCraft, they barely exist anymore. They basically cut support for both games. What are you talking about? Heroes is getting um, Heroes and StarCraft are getting new character. Who the? F- I need to talk to somebody on that development team to clarify because they they cut that team by like one tenth, two like one tenth of what it was. They said that they weren't going to do any more with it. They were just gonna. It was basically a maintenance mode, and then they announced a new fucking hero. What is happening over there, Andy? <laughs> do you know? I, I imagine that they've got one of those, um, one of those thermometer fundraiser things on the wall. And if they if they hit a certain amount of money earned for Heroes of the Storm, it's all right. You can put in a new character. You bought yourself another. We we hit our <laughs> fundraising goal. You bought yourself another month of support. Put in a new character. Release a bug patch. <laughs> you guys can all keep your jobs for six more months. Yay! Thanks, Bobby Cotton. <laughs> I I'm still super fixated on Overwatch too. So I really want to go over like what they've announced for overwatch 2 and sort of try and work through why it exists as a game so so we didn't really clarify but basically for overwatch 2 they announced new heroes which they've already said is also going to be coming to the original overwatch they've announced new maps which is going to be coming to the original overwatch they've released a new p they're going to release a new pvp mode called push which they haven't clarified as to whether that's going to be unique for two or not. But if they, if they're pushing two as a story game, I don't know what they're pushing. I can't even say that as, as, as a, a mega X pack, <laughs> let's go with that. Then it seems crazy that they're going to splinter the player base and only include, um, this mode in overwatch two. Um, they're going to update some of the skins for some of the heroes. And then obviously the big thing is the story mode, which is the one thing that is very clear that is going to be unique to Overwatch. See, I think that they're going to splinter their player base and they're going to do that very intentionally because if they have everything there as y'all, you can keep playing all your existing modes. You get to play all these new maps, but there's this new game mode called push, which is super cool in multiplayer. And all your friends that you used to play multiplayer with are now all in overwatch Two playing push, which isn't, you know, <laughs> Oh, you just, you just yeah. buy it for that new game mode. And then once you're in there, it's, Hey, all my friends are here. May as well try out this new PVE thing with, with the PVE. It's much, much easier to push 
timed events, timed raids, daily login bonuses, all the bullshit that keeps that ups engagement mm. and gets people in there paying more money. And and it's just oh well, it's just this 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 push yeah. mode. It's super cool. You've been seeing a ton of gifts online on Reddit. Looks really interesting. I just want to check it out. They're doing a free weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none, obviously none of the streamers are going to be playing Overwatch One anymore. So like every all of their press is going to be completely Overwatch Two, and I, it seems weird to even support Overwatch One anymore if they're going to be making such harsh moves away from it. Like it's it's almost like they're trying to pretend they're keeping their promise and just supporting this game indefinitely if they're gonna support heroes of the storm support overwatch one i mean i gotta imagine it's got a larger player base yeah and i mean obviously if if there's crossplay, all of the customization and hero leveling has to be between both games so they also tried to sell that as like oh look at this great new thing for overwatch 2 but it wouldn't make any sense to not have that in both games unless they're saying like Oh, this is only available in uh, the yeah, ranked oh, that's mode. A, that's 100% what and I'm expecting. The, the old game. Yeah, and then the old game just doesn't support the ranked mode anymore because, oh, you know, you're you're too poor t- to play ranked or whatever. And so, yeah, I, I'm sort of expecting it to be like, oh, you can still play the arcade mode. Like, this is just like, this is the maintenance mode game where you basically can, like, diddle around. Yeah. And Overwatch 2 is the game you have to play if you want to play like the, the streamers or play any of the new modes. Cause you're the first class citizen. It's got to yeah, upgrade I mean, to the latest. Streaming, no one's going to watch you stream overwatch one unless you're doing a stream about how no one's playing overwatch yeah. one anymore. Yeah. And even that probably lends itself better towards a, yeah. YouTube at that point, video. just go play Battleborn. That's much funnier. <laughs> I've been waiting in queue for three <laughs> oh, years. So sad. No, you're you're wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, ba- Hearthstone it, got it, its finally got itself an auto battler. Yeah, that's cool. And also, <laughs> Warcraft has another yeah. X pack. Yay! Yeah, yay! Okay, <laughs> I think that covers BlizzCon. <laughs> oh, we didn't we didn't talk about their apology at all. We didn't cover what well, apology? Their attempt at an apology. So, it, it, do you want to uh, explain the situation for our listeners? I, you know what? I'm just going to say that, that to, to, to put it very simple, because other people have gone into it in much better detail with much more knowledge of both the gaming and sociopolitical situation. But suffice to say, Blizzard and Activision did a bad, and everyone hated them for it. <laughs> and then Blizzard and Activision said, well, we you can't be mad at us because it kind of relates to this policy we kind of have already. So because there's a policy, it's not wrong because we already wrote it down before it happened. And everyone said, no, that's not how anything works. No, it's it's not how ethics (laughs) works at all. Just because you wrote down, here's my shitty policy, doesn't make it suddenly a good policy. Still a (laughs) shitty policy. And so Blizzard and whatever the guy's name from Blizzard, uh, got very brave and put on his big boy pants and stood in front of an audience and read a prepared statement that someone else clearly wrote that said, we're sorry we didn't tell you more about how we were going to do a bad. And we should have been more upfront with you about how we were (laughs) going to do a bad and how we should have 
talk to you guys about the bad thing we were going to do more. Because if you listen very carefully, they don't actually apologize for having done anything, and they don't list any corrective actions they're going to take. All they do is apologize for not... I'm sorry that I didn't let you know earlier I was cheating on you. I should have been more upfront with you about how I was cheating on you and had no interest in being (laughs) faithful in our relationship. That's something that's on me, and I take that responsibility for not having told you earlier very seriously. And if you're still mad at me after that heartfelt apology then because you're a bad what do you want i apologize eat a butt i apologize already. <laughs> we already this we already did this yeah bared my heart and soul yeah this is this is like uh the, the facebook method of like grandstanding is like we believe in our platform and we are okay <laughs> with lying and all the other horseshit that comes along with this nonsense on our platform and then somebody like Twitter comes in and they're like, "We're just we're just banning all all political ads now. <laughs> we're not doing this. Good luck, good luck, Facebook." <laughs> and, and the games industry has such a such a bad history with apologies. Anyways, I think of people like Peter Molyneux and all of his non-apologies whenever he's releasing a new game. Look, I'm sorry I got so excited about my last game that I painted a picture that, the, that no matter how hard we worked, it could never meet. No, buddy, you, you lied. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I tried to make the perfect game for you, and I fell a little bit short. Just a smidge. only because I love you so much. What do you want from me? That I tried to make that for you. <laughs> oh, so oh god peter th- peter always cracks that's where me we're up. at right now with this this is a peter molyneux apology or a peter molyneux non-apology <laughs> of, i'm sorry that you're no. mad at the thing that i did <laughs> okay good all okay right. Get my all right i think we've beaten blizzcon to death do you uh want to move into our fireside chat here hey what's yeah. up hey andy how you doing today? Oh, you know, it's New England, so well, about as good as that can be. Oh, fuck all that. I don't <laughs> miss it at all. What are your feelings on cream? <laughs> <laughs> I have no other uh, formative words around the word cream. It just says cream. Gracious. Okay. Well, I don't have any context either. What the hell's going on in this person's head? You know, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll try to cover this from as many angles as I can. Uh, I like <laughs> the song "Cream" by the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, I've enjoyed. <laughs> I had. I got a copy of Cream's Greatest Hits, featuring songs like "White Room," uh, when I was in high school, and that was okay. I think I only listened to like the first four or five tracks off of it. Uh, <laughs> Oh God, the 90s. Uh, he's one of those those 20th century master's greatest hits. You'd see it like the checkout at CVS. You know, with it, they were all formatted. That oh. you know, all had the same <laughs> layout and 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 uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I had, I, yeah, like the like the Marvel uh, movies. Too. I really like the song "Peaches and Cream." That's a classic. Probably like that off of anything off of Cream's greatest hits. Oh, yeah, <laughs> care, care to say? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. Not gonna do my. I don't have the the setup. I don't have the lights. I don't have one of those long hallways that you see in two thousands R and B videos that were full of filled with like LEDs and mirrors. 
So I, I I'm not ready for that <laughs> yet. If we ever if we ever do video streams, I'll get that ready. Goddamn for. Us. Poor. Uh, I take cream in my coffee, although I prefer uh, Coffee Mate or or what's the one? International Delight, like a non-dairy creamer because it sits better with me. Um, I like whipped cream, but I don't have a lot of cause to use it because I don't really eat ice cream or desserts that you can put whipped cream on. Uh, any other cream things? I think that covers... You know, Cream corn? I don't really have... I remember seeing creamed corn in a lot of 90s TV shows as like some disgusting thing that you'd get at school cafeterias. But we we never got that in my, <laughs> my school cafeteria. They had corn, but never creamed corn. They just had like, you know, corn niblets out of a out of a can. So I don't really have a lot of a uh, lot of uh thing with creamed corn. Cream soda? Oh, I fucking hate cream soda. Oh, it's so gross. I, I I can't abide cream soda yeah, or root I, beer. There's something about them. Oh <laughs> motherfucker! All right, we're moving on fast. Cream? Have you had cream? A cream ale? Uh, probably. I've I've tried a number of different ales, so I've probably had that at some point or other. It doesn't stick out. Uh, I've had egg cream at at delis. Cream cream cheese? Did we go over that? Cream, oh, cream cheese. Egg cream cheese. cheese is good. I'm a big fan of that. I like I like the whipped cream cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Cadbury cream eggs are all right. So, uh, a bit much for me these days, but uh, I liked them as a kid. Are we, are we supposed to talk about man cream? Is this where this is culminating? You talking about like pomade? I use pomade, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it works pretty well. I've had the same thing of Old Navy of Old Spice Swagger pomade for the last like year, and I swear that thing never runs out. I use it every day. So um, I think we've covered all all iterations of cream. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just got the, the giant fucking cane on on the fucking cartoon stage. Just like, play you right off. Do you have any? Uh, you have any hot takes on uh, cold cream you want to share? Uh, I mean, if you're gonna bring root beer into it and cream soda, they're both pretty fucking All right. good. But there's something something about the word cream that's like uh, how a lot of I'm probably generalizing here. A lot of women get like mm. weird around the word moist. I've experienced this from a lot of females. Uh, I just like can't hear the word. I feel like cream is like that for me. I I didn't even like reading it. And it's funny because it's a word that that gets used in advertising a lot to let you know that something is rich and creamy. Like that's that's clearly a thing that people (laughs) want. No, don't don't say it like that. (laughs) Don't say it like that. My knees buckled. You know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna change the subject. I got a question for you. How? How do you feel about <laughs> spiders? That's what I got. Spiders. Uh, uh, I mean, they're not exactly adorable. They're not. They don't make for very interesting pets. They just sort of crawl around. Yeah, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm not afraid of them. I don't. They're. They're. They seem pretty polite. We have we have pretty friendly ones down in Texas. They had, we have tarantulas, but they like well, mind their own fucking business. Finally, a spider. So that it's minds like its, own it's like having a yeah. Well, sometimes you get get one crawling all over you, and you're like, do you fucking mind? I'm trying to yeah. to watch a man cream his hair, <laughs> but other times, yeah, no, it was, they're like they're like ground spiders where they only nest in like burrows in the ground and they only really 
They're very territorial. So there's only one spider every like fucking quarter block or however the math works out on spider prey. It sounds all right. I, yeah. That, that, yeah. It's that they're gross though. Don't, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Spiders. Don't, don't spin your webs in my, in my neck. Have you ever watched any of the Lucas, the spider videos on YouTube? No, but I watched, uh, the, Japanese Spider-Man trailer for the first time today. Completely unrelated. No, it's old, but we'll go over that later. What's Lucas the Spider? Computer computer animated spider on live film backdrops that it just is a very cute spider voiced by a child. It's a very endearing, uh, lovable little spider. Hmm. So if if you're looking for a spider that you want to just snuggle up with, (laughs) check out Lucas the Spider. He's very cute. Is, is it like a, no, a tiny it's spider a, it's a tiny or is it like, spider, like the fucking... size of a, um... oh, I, I'm... Okay. no, no, it's not like a Tolkienian fucking no, monster. I, I, no, I played that new, to- that new, um, <laughs> shadow of Mordor shadow of war game. And that spider woman was just a really hot woman, which is what I assume all spiders are. Like when you, yeah. Oh, like if you get them, get them oh, yeah. at home, all spiders are secretly just really hot women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, there's a, a spider hero. Oh, in yeah? Smite. That's pretty fucking hot too. Yeah, she's got a big butt. I think it's made for uh, well, aren't they all? nesting, though. And <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, finally, finally, I can say shit that's real. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I, I, what, do you have any hot takes on spiders? Hot all take right, on everyone, spider. sit down. I'm mean? about to bust spiders <laughs> wide open here. <laughs> lay the truth bombs on me yeah i got nothing i got nothing on spiders we got a lot of them in the house we got like, daddy long legs and stuff but they keep to their own they stay in like the rafters oh, yeah. and above the drop ceiling so you know i'm fine with them <laughs> yeah i mean like i'm definitely not pro <laughs> spiders rights like if i see a spider there's like a 50 50 chance i'm gonna kill it like i'm not gonna lie to you I, I don't want to know where that thing's going. If it's got like crawling all up in like butt juice and on my gl- my glasses and my pantry and whatnot. Well, if you'd stop leaving open containers of butt juice around, then they wouldn't crawl into them and then crawl over all your other stuff. <laughs> no, not my butt juice. Their butt juice. Silly, silly. I I store my butt juice in the proper. Uh, locked pantry where the spiders can't get to you know i was talking about a really cute spider that was safe for children and it was, it was a nice family friendly little spider that i was recommending everyone talk about and you you're just talking about butt juice and i i butt juice is perfectly pg i'm absolutely not talking about like like post anal excrement or anything vile like that i'm absolutely not talking about post anal excrement brent from the game off podcast <laughs> you know you know how when sometimes you have to knead bread you have to punch it a bit yeah <laughs> right, i'm not gonna finish that thought hey we, yeah. we got a showcase tonight yeah as we as we always do <laughs> Se- segway <laughs> no that's speaking of segways we've got a showcase <laughs> All right, we're back in it. What do we what do we got for a showcase tonight? We got Blasphemous and Indivisible. Mm-hmm. That's, tr- <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yay, team. All right. All right, All right. I'm talking about Indivisible first today. 
So Indivisible, I had a very good experience with Indivisible. I will, I will lead into this because I feel like I have a lot of criticism written down um, because it's such a busy game, but it's so colorful and fun. And I think it's good for just about any human being. But before I get to that, I'll try and paint a picture for you. Um, Indivisible is made by Lab Zero. The only other game I think they're famous for is the Skullgirls series, which is a 2D fighting fighting game. It wasn't it's not like a huge uh, franchise, but it's still popular by its own rights. Um, they're U.S. based. It's a 18 man team, according to my Google searches. Um, but Indivisible is sort of this this really interesting marriage of a Metroidvania and a JRPG, but also somehow fairly linear, not necessarily strictly linear, but still fairly linear. So what you can expect from it is um, uh, a lot of platforming, a similar uh, style to Skullgirls, which is like cartoony, colorful, um, almost like sort of like a marriage between like an American cartoon and an anime. Um, because a lot, a lot of the game seems to draw inspiration from Japanese games and like sort of anime stylings, but still very much its own thing. So it's a very stylish game. So not based on any existing property. Nope. Nope. Completely unique property. It, it, there's, there's, this is the first game in this franchise. I don't know what their long-term plans are for it, but, I also, I meant to check, it might have been crowdfunded. I did not verify that or not, but it, it sort of gave off a lot of vibes of like a crowdfunding game because it's like, it feels like a passion project. And like, I think that's one of the things I really loved about the game. It's like they, they put, they, there was clearly so many ideas swirling around and like, it was like just enough for them to sort of contain all of their scope creep and make this game and have it still be a, a beautiful sort of functional small chunk of video game. <laughs> um, hopefully I can uh, paint a better picture of what that means, but uh, it, it's so it, it's primarily basically you're, you're running around platforming. Uh, the story is very simple, like sort of definitely drawn inspiration from anime. Like your father dies in the first 10 minutes and you're, entire village gets burned down spoiler alert and then you have to go on this this magic adventure because you're a uh, 13 year old 14 year old girl and but you're also like have magic powers that are inexplicable and every time you meet a this new sounds so rpg right now yeah exactly <laughs> that's why i wanted to clarify that this is an la based team that made this game yeah so you, when you when you meet new allies they get absorbed into your head okay so i i assume i assume it was just like a storytelling device because you're literally running around alone and platforming like you do in a metroidvania but then you also have like 10 people in your head that can just pop out whenever and like join in on a discussion and uh, start yelling at you in quirky ways. Um, but yeah, m mostly, mostly platforming, jumping from spot to spot. You're going to, you're going to hit a pretty, it seemed like a pretty finite amount of en enemies where you could sort of engage them prior to being in the battle sequence. Um, so not like old JRPGs where you just get into random encounters. Like you'll see the enemies on this 2d plane 
and um, you'll you'll be able to engage them first and sneak attacks and get uh, the advantage on them and whatnot. So kind of like in in Dragon Quest where you can sneak it, you know, like initiate an attack with or initiate a battle with an attack that puts them at a disadvantage. Yeah, exactly. And you you have a few different ways to do that too. So it's it's sort of more uh more interesting than a lot of games to do it like um you you have like a spear ability that you can use out of combat a bow that like sort of both of those sort of disable the enemy but it doesn't initiate combat um you can also go run up and sort of do like combos on them with your axe or if you're doing a sprint um which requires you to like turn into a monster you'll run up and just sort of fucking shoulder tackled bros and that that initiates combat that's sort of the gist of the game. Um, it, it's when when it opens up, you get a bunch of different zones that you can go to using a boat. Um, so there's there's a mild open world aspect to it, but I mean it's fundamentally two D. It reminded me a lot of um, the, the world design reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of like Shantae and Half Genie Hero, where there was like you, you basically just have a map, and it's not like I can free roam. It's just select okay. the next place you want to go to. Um, yeah, I'll field some questions now, Andrew. Okay, taking some questions from the audience. I appreciate you, you uh, taking some time there. How is the platforming? Mm-hmm. Is You're it welcome. good platforming? Like, actually fun? So, this is actually one of the gripes I have um, with the game. It, the, the platforming's janky a lot of times, but it's also cool sometimes. Okay. So, y- you, you have an axe... So basically when you're jumping around, it's normal platforming, but you also have an axe that you can just fucking like just drive into a wall and that gives you a extra burst. Um, you also have a spear that you can do like a mega jump with if you're on like a, a level ground. Um, but from the most for the most part, it's not like it doesn't like feel like good platforming. It feels like you're jumping from platform to platform because you sort of have to um it it does one of the one of the worst things i've ever experienced in platforming where when you land you're not running at full speed oh you slow down and then you have to sort of run and start running again before you can jump so then if you're not running at full speed you'll only do like a half jump to the next platform so you can't do like a, a jump jump and then it will be like the same you won't cover the same amount of ground. It'll just be like, like run jump. And then if you jump immediately again, it'll be like a half jump, which is just frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds awful. Why would they set that up that way? Yeah. I don't know. It's the platforming is not necessarily super hard in the game. So it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it was a bad decision. I, I coming from like true platformers like cuphead or, you know, super meat boy, I really would want something that was just super responsive and didn't penalize me for doing the thing that I'm supposed to do, which is jump. The the split between platforming and the rest of the game. How big is that? Like what percentage is platforming versus battling? A good chunk of it is platforming and running around. So you'll, you'll have like really rich cities where you can talk to a lot of people in town. It's not like dialogue trees and stuff. It's just like, listen in and sort of run through the dialogue. So I'd say percentage wise, probably like 65, 35 platforming combat. 
most of the combat, like the combat can definitely be time consuming, but there's not like a ton of battles. Okay. In any given zone, there's maybe only like 10 enemies, but when you attack them, they split into like five different enemies or something like that. So the fight itself might take like a, a minute or two sometimes. Um, but for the most part, you are running around platforming, you know, breaking walls, trying to use abilities to get to new places and stuff like that. Like, like, does it feel like a Metroidvania where you're really kind of exploring or is it more kind of like you had in Shantae where it was like, this is an area you're going to be in and you're just kind of going to be in here working from one end to the other. It, it's probably more like Shantae where there's a couple of things that you can go back to, but it's not like you're, re- you're like, there's no central area that you keep revisiting and then like you stumble upon new stuff all the time. It's very much like you complete an entire zone and then you're like, oh, I don't have the method to get into that part yet. I need to keep that in mind to come back to later. Yeah, it, it's not like it's not a true Metroidvania. It's definitely more like platform platformy combat with some Metroidvania elements. OK, now I'm going to ask a very cynical question here and there may be some spoilers. Does the game involve you killing God with the power of friendship? <laughs> yes, that's almost exactly what the plot line is. I'm not gonna. I'm not even joking. I'm not joking at all. Glorious. You, you make a ton of friends. There, there's a reason the game's called Indivisible. It's because of all of your friends, and the entire plot is you trying to kill the god of destruction and creation. But also, you're part of the god of justice. Or Actually, that might be a spoil. Well, no, it's not. That happens real early. You're 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 technically a piece of the god of destruction and creation. So yeah, I mean, hashtag. Anime. I said I said spoilers. You know, I said there were, that I was asking a spoilery question. So you know, be be advised. <laughs> you you learn that before you even hit the open world. So yeah, I, I'm gonna say not a super spoiler. Okay, okay, <laughs> that, that's fair. How many? How many potential, like, is this like a, you can pick from a variety of different party members to play with, or is it kind of a small group and that's the party you're playing with all the time? Yeah, you have a huge selection of characters. Uh, I think I met a new character that added to my party every like 30 to 45 minutes. Oh, wow. So you, you have a party of four people at any given time, and they actually, if you're playing on console, they're assigned to all of the face buttons. So like, Xbox, it's, you know, like Y, X, A, B. So you're actually, I didn't give combat its due at all, but I'll get into that. But yeah, so so you have all, and you can reassign all the heroes to whichever button suits them better, their abilities, however they play, et cetera, et cetera. But while you're in combat, you have these four heroes that are mapped to these buttons and they have, you know, two to, I want to say, six is the maximum amount of actions that they can take at a time. You're basically just jamming all of the buttons, depending on the hero's abilities, like you're hit, hitting up to modify the attack to, so that they do a special attack, but only for this one specific hero. So I can hit like up and then XXXX and one hero will do uh, like a slowing effect or I could do down and YYYY and one hero will charge up their abilities and then the main character, I won't use any modifiers and I'll just spam X and they'll just use their default attack. And another hero, I'll use down BBB 
and they'll use like an AOE attack. As far as the buttons and, and interaction goes, that almost sounds like a fighting game. Like it, it almost sounds like you're like doing doing combos in in uh, Dead or Alive or something like that. It really like it's very clear that this is a game that was made by a studio that just came off of making a fighting game. The backgrounds and I, there was an article on either IGN or Destructoid or even Kotaku. I'm not sure where they were. It was literally an entire article about the backgrounds and how it reminded them of playing Street Fighter oh. 2 and how like busy the backgrounds always were. And like that's so true of the game. So you, you have this like button, like this combo system in combat, like even though it's an RPG game and you also have these like really like vivid, lot alive backgrounds that you usually only see in fighting games. So there's, there's honestly like a surprising amount of comparisons you can draw between like a fighting game and this game. Huh? Okay. I, I didn't in, it really even think that would, that comparison was going to go very far, but cool that's kind of interesting yeah like i so like i'm traditionally really bad at fighting games so like i think that's one one of the frustrations i had honestly was that like the combo systems were so deep and like not not easy to into it that like it was almost frustrating to try and learn how to do it but also try and do it with four characters at the same time so it sort of reminds you of like a, a Marvel versus Capcom game where you really have like three heroes at once and you're trying to figure out how to combo all three heroes into each other. Mm. And is it like, is the enemy responding as quickly as you're doing your combos? Like, is it the same kind of like, like yeah. active battling? You'll, they'll, they'll attack you. Like it'll sort of pause your ability to attack. So it's not like, like one-on-one active sort of, Bat, bat, bat. But when they attack, you have to defend. They can attack single heroes. They can attack multiple heroes. They can attack the entire group. And all of those different things have to be reacted to appropriately, either with one, like the, the specific button of the hero, two buttons, or if you want to shield with the entire group, that's an entire other set of buttons. So it's it has a certain complexity to even just defending that you wouldn't normally see in like a, an RPG or a JRPG. Is there equipment? Uh, no, no, there's, there's leveling up, there's XP, but there's no equipment. I was imagining what it would be like to try and manage equipment across however many characters that you were saying that you're carrying around with you. Yeah, no, f- fuck all that noise. There is, um, you can level up the amount of, I forget how the defensive part works. Basically, one of the bigger Metroidvania parts of the game is you have to collect these, like, um, I'm going to call them orbs for the, sake of argument um you collect the morbs and you trade them in for upgrades to your defensive or offensive potential um so like that's the only other jrpg portion of it is like you can upgrade your attack and defense and then you can upgrade your level by beating enemies and getting xp like you would expect okay that sounds pretty straightforward then other than the, the unique battle system yeah, that part is very straightforward. Any idea about how long the game is? Uh, 20 plus hours. Not tremendously long. It's a $40 game. Okay. That's pretty good um, for 40 bucks. So you're, def- you're definitely, yeah, you're definitely getting your money's worth. Would you recommend it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's beautiful. 
it's fun. Um, honestly, my thumb hurt a lot of the time because of the button mashing. So fair warning there. If you have grandpa thumbs like I apparently do, um, that I have, <laughs> I haven't felt like I was pushing my thumb too much since, uh, this much since <laughs> Devil May Cry five. <laughs> so that's a weird comparison, but there you go. Um, but yeah, it, it's colorful. It's lighthearted. Um, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Not even for one second. Um, it, the dialogue's super cheesy, but I mean, that doesn't mean it's like bad. Like if it don't, don't go into this game thinking it's like fucking game of Thrones or anything. It's just, it's, it's just a, a fun little game. It's exactly what it should be. And I think that's like great praise for like an, an a large scale indie game like this. Very cool. I think that answers all my questions. Yeah. Let me make sure I don't have any other notes. Um, one of the things that like frustrated me as someone who uh, really likes to optimize in RPGs. It was really hard because it's not like super RPG. Like you said, like no equipment. It, it's hard to figure out what the best comps are because you have so many heroes and you're not like, equipment isn't a thing so you just have to figure out which heroes work best together and because there's so many heroes that's very time consuming do you end up just kind of like falling into falling with one team that you roll 90 percent of the time because it's there's just so much other experimentation you'd have to do kind of so i think i use the same i definitely use the same two characters for the entire game i found later on that I would use a third character most of the time. And then I would try and swap out the fourth character from time to time, just to try out like the literal ridiculous amount mm-hmm. of new heroes you would get. Um, but I usually end up going back to one of the original ones. So f- I would say like 80% of the time I was using the same group. Yeah. That's kind of what I, I would expect that I would end up in just cause I, I always hate that, that part of RPGs of just trying out all the different comps and, all right, spend half an hour rebuilding this guy and oh no, it didn't work. All right, try this guy with this weapon. This guy is this class. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, that's, yeah, uh, it's not this huge problem in this game, but also, cool. yeah. Um, one thing I'll, I'll say to uh, the character design, I thought for the most part was fantastic. Like I really loved a lot of the characters, but then there was a couple that were just like blatantly bad. And I won't, say names or spoil any characters for you because you're literally discovering characters constantly but like a lot of the main characters especially the ones you get early on seem like really well fleshed out and you're like wow i love these characters i love like their dialogue and then later on you get like some real fucking just (laughs) half-assed sort of bland cheese balls that just are like oh i must protect this area and anything that goes against that i am mad about and you're like shut the fuck up like (laughs) don't don't care sanctimonious (laughs) piece of shit but yeah anyway but for the most part i've really loved a lot of the characters and i really enjoyed ever any chance i got to enjoy dialogue with them but yeah that's that's indivisible right there Shall you introduce us to Blasphemous? Blasphemous is an interesting game. It is a basically one of these modern 2D Dark Souls type games. Very methodical. 
you know, kind of slow moving attacks to, to an extent. Um, when you get hit, you get rocked pretty hard. You're not taking a lot of damage. You're not just forcing your way through an area and taking a lot of damage. Um, so it's kind of, it's 2D Dark Souls, but Catholic. Because the whole thing is <laughs> steeped in a lot of, I want to say the team is Spanish. Um, a lot of Catholic traditions of penitence and guilt and self-flagellation, that kind of side of extreme belief. And I, I don't know that it's that it's expressly Catholic. Yeah. I, I don't think it actually says that specifically as much as it is just kind of evoking Catholicism. They talk a lot about the miracle yeah. and they talk they have like a lot of terms like of Our Lady of This, but there's not a lot of talk of god or jeebus hmm. or any of that <laughs> yeah that's like uh how neon genesis evangelion is like just steeped in catholicism but it's like there's no part of that show that's religious at all i think i know exactly what you are talking about it's got a lot of that iconography and a lot of the the visual stylings like you the main character that you play mm -hmm. as has this kind of metallic conical helmet that looks like something out of like a Hieronymus Bosch painting that looks like it's almost wrapped in barbed wire <laughs> in a very early cinematic. You slice open a thing that you've killed, fill the conical helmet with blood and then put it on. Dope. It's a fucking metal game. It, it, Dope. <laughs> there's a lot of really it. gruesome, grotesque imagery and it works very well with the theme of, everyone is in pain and everyone is suffering and everyone is guilty of sin and has to repent. So that that's all really cool. Uh, and it's in this very Metroidvania 2d dark souls feel. The gameplay is your kind of standard Metroidvania 2d dark souls. You platform around, you go to fight stuff, you do very badly and you die. And then you start, you, <laughs> go back to <laughs> your equivalent of a bonfire and you get back up and you go fight again and you die. One of the things that this does that's really interesting is you don't lose your progress when you die and you don't lose the uh, whatever their equivalent of souls are when you die. So you don't have those situations like you'd have in Dark Souls where you played for three hours and made literally no progress because you kept dying and because mm. you never, you know, got far enough to get a bunch of souls and then make it back to a bonfire to use them. There's much more progress and you feel like you're working through things better. It feels much more rewarding in that way. When you die though, you leave behind a piece of guilt or a fragment of guilt, which is like a shade of you. That's just kind of behind like, like dropping souls in dark souls. And you can keep playing and you can ignore them, but it has effects on the world around you. So the more guilt that's out there, like the, it, it makes it so that your capacity to, to, to charge up mana is like halved every single time you, you leave another guilt fragment behind your max mana goes down even more. And there are other effects. You, you, the rewards you get from killing stuff go down more. So you're encouraged to go out there and pick them up, but you don't have to. Because you can still get the currency that you use to, to 
buy new skills and abilities. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, it's that is a very it was a very interesting way of doing it, which I liked. Um, because that was something that frustrated the hell out of me with Dark Souls. You know, it was playing for an hour and then dying and then trying to go get back your souls and then dying again and be like, all right, well, there was all that that work lost. Thanks a lot. And I know that that's the way that's how some people have fun. So good for you guys. But that that was an exercise in frustration for me for all the souls like games that I played that were 3D. One of the things I, I would love to shine light on is the boss design in this, because if you remember from the episode, I don't know what it was four or five episodes ago when I talked about Bloodstained and how boring the boss design was in that mm-hmm. and the boss fights were just very like stand there and slash and then use potions and then slash and use potions this has required real like yeah learn patterns learn how to dodge things see what they're telegraphing and what the best way to uh, attack them is experiment with the way that you Hmm. you approach them because there are some ways of hitting these bosses that are more effective than others almost like in a mega man game yeah, so like the souls like uh, tag sort of holds weight in that regard. Yeah, yeah so like, very much so. It, the, the bosses all feel like unique fights, and I it doesn't feel like the reason you lost was which happens a lot in in some of like the Met- other Metroidvania games. The reason you lost was because you didn't go in there with enough potions, or like you know some of the bigger fights in Skyrim. Yeah, where it's just carry in a shit ton of potions and food and you'll win the battle because you'll just outlast them. There's none of that here. Uh, otherwise though, it's, it's a really tight game. The platforming is a lot of fun. It's one of these games where I, almost every time I die, it's because I got cocky and I tried to speed through something or I tried to take an opportunity in an opening that was clearly, I clearly should not have done. It was not time yet. But I, I tried to make my own luck and, and failed. <laughs> I love it when games pun- punish you for that. Yeah, it is one of the things it doesn't do, or at least I haven't seen. I think I'm about 60, 70 percent of the way through the game. There aren't moments where you're ambushed by shit. And we've talked at length about this, but I hate games where you walk in. Oh, there was a trap in that bush. There was literally no way you could have known that on your first time through. But you're dead now. <laughs> better but go now do you've it again. learned and you know dark souls has a ton of moments like that where you turn a corner and then something jumps down on you from a height yeah that, <laughs> you know and it, it you just fall into an iron maiden or something yeah exactly <laughs> where this it's not that i've come across everything that i've that has hit me has been visible on screen and telegraphed so anytime i died against a new enemy hmm. it's because i ran in there and it was like, oh, this guy looks like a piece of cake. I'm just going to fuck him up. And then I didn't. I died. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like, there's the really creepy looking guy inside of a cage on top of walking legs. He's probably going to do something weird. So I should go at him, cl- at him kind of slowly, take my time, observe him, see how close I can get without triggering him. It's a lot of fun. I- I'm really loving this game uh, as far as mm. a slow methodical platformer goes got some questions for you all right let's hear them you pretty much already answered this but did someone say souls like metroidvania yeah it's it's what it's what i've always wanted i want to enjoy souls like games but i think it's 
I think once you add that third dimension to the combat, it gets too hard for me. Two-dimensional combat I can do. <laughs> Three-dimensional <laughs> combat, uh, you know, now it's it's too much. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you were, you were a big fan of Dead Cells. That's not not an easy game by any fucking stretch. Yeah, Dead Cells was a, was a great game. Although that's... I always found the the comparison to Dark Souls on that one a bit weird because it it, it was such yeah like a roguelike Metroidvania yeah with a with a much faster more forgiving combat yeah what what does character progression look like in this game there are a couple of different ways that you progress you have abilities that you can unlock and they become available to you as you progress through the game so it's kind of you know that that system that you saw a lot in late uh, or like the, the infamous era of superhero games where you'd have four or five abilities. You'd have like a, a set of four or five abilities that you could lock in whatever order you wanted, but the next tier of abilities wouldn't unlock until you hit a certain story mm-hmm. beat. And then, okay, now these next five are available to okay. you to unlock, but only if you've unlocked the tier above them, you also have, things that you can put in your sword that are kind of your I'm sure there's a better term for them but your trade-off abilities of like you can you can mm-hmm. parry and parry more you know stronger attacks than normal but it takes you longer to recover from them and th- those are things that you can socket in your sword itself and then you have a bunch of charms that you're putting almost on like your rosary beads That's which are much smaller you know, little one, 2% boons here of you get a little <laughs> bit more, um, you get a little bit more currency when you kill stuff or you do a little more damage or you take, you're a little bit more resistant to fire. One of them is the ability to see health bars above enemies, but all, all little things like that. And those are all kind of hmm. portioned out to you. Yeah. In another thing that I like where you're, you're for the most part, you're seeing them and it's figuring out how to get there versus, other games where they were in the room the whole time, but were completely invisible because they're hidden behind a hidden wall. You never would have thought to attack like this is okay. It's right up there. You just got to figure out your, <laughs> what mechanism yeah. you use to get up to that ledge. Yeah. A game like the surge could have, uh, could have gone in for some of that and benefited greatly. Is your, is this your favorite game starring pyramid head? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I liked Silent Hill 2 a lot, but this is definitely the most fun I've had playing Pyramid Head. And it's got a lot less rapey vibes than Pyramid <laughs> Head usually does, which I really appreciate. <laughs> even, even when I cosplay him. Even yeah, I, I try to cosplay as a as a modern Pyramid Head. As, as, as dad Pyramid Head. Got the, got the <laughs> Pyramid Head with the dad body. He's got shorts, <laughs> sandals, and socks. <laughs> yeah still got still got a big sword but he's you know he's just showing it off yeah he only uses the flat side to discipline now exactly <laughs> does this game add anything substantial to the metroidvania genre no i don't think so i, I wouldn't say that this is a that people are going to look at this and say like hey here are some really cool ideas we can take from here and become standard in Metroidvania games or Dark Souls games. Like, I love the way that they change that, you know, you don't lose progression when you die, but I've played other Souls-like games that you don't lose that progression or the penalty is so small that it's not as crushing as it is in in Dark Souls. 
Yeah. And the combat is, you know, it's pretty standard side-scrolling melee combat. You combo attack, you can... Actually, one thing it does do, and I don't know that I've seen another uh, other games like this do this, you can actively damage yourself to improve, to either like gain mana or improve your attack. And it shows a little animation of him cutting himself with his sword in the stomach. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like you're basically anointing your sword with your own blood. Yeah, I, it's yeah, worth that's, playing that's just for the, because the artwork is gorgeous. <laughs> the opening cinematic is I... really hardcore. It's theming is incredible. And it, the theme and design of it really sit, put, put this game above um, is it has these really interesting um, Hieronymus Bosch, to use that again, looking creatures and monsters and demons that look semi-human, but also have this weird ornateness about them, almost like something out of like a Guillermo del Toro film. Yeah. <laughs> Kronos, probably. I, I like games that, I like th- these games that have been coming out that have this interesting creature design that isn't just things are dead or things are shiny and glossy or things are generic monsters but are really playing with those ideas and and tapping especially this one tapping into something that feels classical and like classical evil yeah i will say one of the things too that i took away from the trailer that i watched um was that it was like refreshingly hyper violent like yes I, I, I don't like gore and I don't like scary spooky bits, but I love hyperviolence and it was, it looked wild. Like just like, just like things getting torn in half and shit like that. <laughs> it was like, you see the blood just running down this like mega baby's face. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, I, the, one of the bosses that you fight is like this disembodied head that's been horribly burned and has pieces of patches of skin missing, but done in a, in a pixel art style. And it's just floating around oh. and making horrible noises. It's, it's grotesque <laughs> is the best word for it. Everything is just hyper grotesque, but not, uh, not like romanticized or fetishized in any way. It's just like, here it is. Here, here is someone yeah. being ripped in half or having their <laughs> stomach stuck, uh, stomach cut open and, and entrails coming out in a yeah. really gross, awesome way. <laughs> yeah. You're, here's this imagery. You decide what you're going to do with that for the rest of your life. Socket this in your brain wherever you feel is appropriate. <laughs> How are you going to internalize this? Last question. I'm going to try and rephrase it because we've sort of discussed this already. But I really, I really liked what I saw of this. Oh, yeah. Clearly, because I thought the animations looked buttery smooth and refreshingly hyper violent, like I'd already mentioned. Um, the my one concern after watching the trailer, and again, I didn't play this game at all. Um, I it, the theming, not not necessarily like the animations or the, the hyper violence, but the theming reminded me a lot of Castlevania, and that's entirely because of like the Christian undertones, but. Castlevania might have been more because it was dealing with vampires than it was dealing with like religious uh, like uh, symbolism and all that. Castlevania to me always has this kind of level of goofiness to it. 
because you have the spooky castle okay. and you have the draculas and demons but you also have like the skeleton waiter and the skeletons throwing their own bones and everything's kind of silly a little bit <laughs> uh, it, it almost has the feel of like a 1950s serial horror yeah. versus this which is you know feels like something that's meant to instill the fear of hell into someone okay <laughs> like everything's castlevania is almost a little campy in just the way that like dracula is immaculately dressed and laughing okay, that's fair and bursting through mirrors and, and this is much more like you start the game on a pile of dead bodies <laughs> and it just only goes up from there <laughs> oh it's it's so good this it's game sounds so, so much metal. fun i love it and everything is just the right amount of hard there was one area that you're scaling a mountain and there's winds that can blow you in different directions and affect how far you can jump. And they go, you know, sometimes they're blowing left, they're going right, and yeah. they keep altering back and forth. And if you're just patient and don't play it like an asshole, you can make it through. But I kept playing it like an asshole. And, and you get up there, like, oh, I'm finally going to hit. Oh, no, I fell down the thing because I jumped too early. <laughs> uh, okay, this is my fault. I did this to myself again. <laughs> oh. And that's what really hurts, is that you do it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll learn someday, Andy. Well, I, I made it through that area. That, that's an, an early on. That's like a quarter of the way through the game. And I made it through that eventually. But that was probably the era I got stuck in the stuck in f- to the longest because I just <laughs> I wanted to get through it. And so I started trying to cut corners and you can't cut corners in games like this. You have to take your time and wait for the opportunity. And it showed me. Yeah. Head to the grindstone, or or however this is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'd recommend this game pretty pretty heartily. I think it's uh if if you heard me describe it and it sounded like something you might like, you're gonna like it. Sounds like something I'd like. It's a good chance we'll be playing this in the near future. All right, let's let's rank these bad boys. First, we should throw in last. Yes, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Brent Brent got a bit sleepy last week, so he didn't uh, rank the last two we did. So spoilers if you haven't listened to episode sixteen. Uh, but we did uh, Ring Fit Adventure and Trover Saves the Universe, and I'm going to go ahead and rank Trover dead fucking last, number twenty five. Congratulations, Division 2. You're no longer the worst game we've played this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, I've had time to dwell on this one, and I don't have any regrets. Ring Fit Adventure? I'm going to put Ring Fit Adventure at number 16. Um, there's a lot that I liked about it, but it's also just the desire to get more active is what's going to keep me playing it more than the desire to explore the game more. It succeeds in a way that isn't a video game almost. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel playing basketball. Like when, when people start arguing about what the score is, it's like 2k 20 basketball. Sure. But in real, but in real life, when you go to a rec center and you, you hug sweaty boys. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, oh, who cares what the score is? Can we keep pl- can we keep playing and doing the exercise portion and trying to get better at the game that none of us are professionals at? <laughs> Stop diddling around with one point here and there. All right. So as far as this week's standings go, uh, why don't you rank Blasphemous for us? I'm going to put Blasphemous 
at number 14, right below Borderlands 3. And above Bloodstained, which you made a comparison to. Yeah, I think it's better than Bloodstained. And um, I'm not afraid to say that. (laughs) I'm going to rank Indivisible at number 12. Or above Surge 2 and below Gears 5. I think it's a better design game than the Surge 2. A lot better realized, but um, I don't... It, it wasn't like the full experience that Gears 5 was. That's sort of where my thoughts come. Like, I, I think I had more fun with The Surge 2, but I also accept that it's that game was just more made for me <laughs> than it was like a truly good game. That's tough. So, so it's got it's got to go down. But Indivisible, Indivisible is a fantastically designed game and a lot of fun. Definitely had had a couple of issues you can rewind 15 minutes for that <laughs> i think a lot of people would really enjoy it especially if you like platformers with mild rpg elements and button mashing all right that's that's it uh yeah. what, what we got we gotta thank our our listeners everyone needs to not needs to hey please i would i would very much appreciate it if you all went to our facebook and or twitter and or Spotify and any other platform. If you're listening to it on a platform, you can probably subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and hit that subscribe. Like the videos, like any videos that you may have listened to. If you haven't listened to the videos, listen to those videos and then like them. Just talk to us, you know, remind us. Like sometimes we're afraid that like Twitter isn't set up <laughs> properly. And so if you add us, nothing happens. You know, sometimes like when you were growing up, you'd call your home phone to make sure it was ringing. Because you're expecting a call. So you just call like that's what we're doing right now. Like if you could just call our Twitter and just, te- just test call. You could just do at Game Off Podcast yeah. and then the text is test call. And that's fine. We'll be that's fine. We'll count it. You'll you'll get so many responses. We'll be uh, so I can't excited. wait. I'm, I'm already said I'm refreshing Twitter now. <laughs> check check us out on check us out wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yep. Yep. Thank thanks to our producer Demarcus. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.